Hello out there in social isolation. Welcome to Thrones Off Game, the Game of Thrones podcast that dares to watch the series backwards. If you've never heard the show before, my name is BT Calloway. I've already seen the entire show, but joining me is my good friend Elliot Jehu Neal, who has never watched a single episode until we started watching in reverse order. Elliot, how are you, buddy? Do you call me Elliot J. Honeal? I don't know. I kind of slurred something there. <laughs> I was hoping we could just move on with our lives, but... Uh... Nope. I know. I mean, now we've got your stripper name if you ever need it. Yes. <laughs> so uh, I'm not going to lie. It's not terribly different from your real name, but hey, <laughs> I imagine if you fall into that life, you'll be proud of it. Mm. And my uh, current career is not that much different from that either. What do I mean by that? Who cares? Let's move on with our lives. Let's, well, I'm intrigued, but let's move on with our <laughs> lives. We just watched season five, episode four, entitled Sons of the Harpy. Elliot, what just happened? Oh, the sons of the harpies, the sons of the harpies. There's your crown, your majesty. I'm wondering why this episode, where's, when are they going to get to the sons of the harpy? Yeah. And boy, do they ever at the end. Right at the end, yeah. All these gold-faced goons rush in and get a whole bunch of stabby, stabby, slashy. There's mm. actually a lot of, like, goons smashing things and killing people in this one. Yeah, lots of hide goons. Yeah, hey. Uh, man, just for everyone at home, this is the one where the Sons of the Harpy really first make their first big move against Dan Brady. Um, and then just a bunch of other little bits and pieces happen. There's not, I guess, uh, we start to see Jorah Mamon and, uh, you know, uh, Tyrion take their trip across the sea. But that's not, you know, that's probably not going to be a thing. That, if you haven't seen the show for a while, that's not going to stand out to you, really. So, uh, yeah, Sons of the Harpy get all stabby. Grey Worm gets injured. That sucks. I like Grey Worm. Mm. Uh, so... Let's just move on to our next question. I know, that first one was a question. What, ha- <laughs> what happened? Yeah, whatever. Uh, second question, What was MVP, what is your most valuable part of this episode? Man, like, okay, I'm not going to do the snoring bit on this one because mm. there were some pretty good moments. But There were tits. There were tits. <laughs> there, there were tits. I can tell that Clarice Van Houten is probably going to be your MVP then, or... No, I'm just saying, it, it always helps. <laughs> Nothing perks up an episode like a perky pair. She really does have a perky pair oh as well. God, well. We'll get to that. That's that's question three. We'll oh, sorry, 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 sorry. <laughs> uh, MVP, MVP. Uh, look, uh, uh, the buddy comedies that uh, appear in Game of Thrones, Tyrion yes. uh, and Joram, you know, uh, their relationship isn't established there, but still, uh, Tyrion got some good licks in there. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, most valuable for me is uh, Jamie and um, Bron again. I know. Uh, Bron? Bron. I'm Bron. pretty sure it's Bron. I mean, we could look this up, but fuck it. That's not what we do here. Yeah, Bronn of the Blackwater, he's always great fun. They're back and forth with him and Jamie, and, you know, Bronn's rowing, and Jamie's gives us a look of, oh, the hand, and then they get in a fight, and uh, he's all like, you know, they see four guards coming. This is when they're sneaking into, uh, not Marine, uh, Dawn. Dawn. Sneaking into Dawn, nice. Uh, And, you know, he gives a, well, how many of the, how many... um, how many can you take? And he's like, well, one, if he's mm-hmm. slow. And then, you know, knocks yeah. one guy over. And he's like, he looks slow enough. <laughs> yeah. No, they just have some great banter and back oh, yeah. and forth. And the actors, like, know each other really well. So, you know, in amongst all the, you know, uh, big, powerful set pieces, this is the moments that I love in Game of Thrones. Just mm. the characters bouncing off each other. It's always the human element that really drives these things. Yes. Yes. Oh, it's all good. Yeah, and I, I like the idea. I like to imagine these guys are just friends outside of the show, catch up for a beer every now and then, you know, mm. that kind of stuff. It, it warms the cockles. But they're so kind of reluctantly friends as well. Yeah. Like, they get along, but they almost, like, are annoyed by that fact. <laughs> yeah, um, there is a very good spree- speech that Bronn gives to Tyrion uh, last, se- or w- what will be next season for us, mm. uh, where he goes, you know, 
I won't set up everything. But he just goes, don't worry, I like you. It's like me a lot more. Yeah. <laughs> it's basically that kind of relationship where they clearly get along, they clearly enjoy each other's company, but also they keep getting each other in shit. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, they know that. It's like, yeah, you're dangerous for my health, but ah. Yeah. That always, that's always good stuff. Uh, man, I tempted to pass this, my MVP, to Tommen again. Uh, again, I've said it before, in a show all about big characters who have these really strong wills, him playing such a weak-willed little dumbass mm. is weirdly refreshing and i never quite on the first watch through i never really quite appreciated the, the actor portraying that and doing such a good job at you know this is the one where uh marjorie tyrell's brother loris gets thrown in prison and she's obviously really upset and she's like you're the king go do something about it he charges up to see uh to yeah seesaw lannister and it's all like we have to let her out and he, she's like well i didn't lock him up and he's like mm. oh well you know that, that's fine because i didn't. oh the switch and his meekness and everything like... yeah and it's really well played i think he does a great job of it it's uh yeah and especially when he takes the king's guard to the uh the sept and the uh, faith militant are there and he just you know has this moment of knowing it's gonna go wrong and starts getting heckled by the crowd and yeah. backs down and again he does a great job of being commanding and then immediately losing that power as soon as anything goes wrong and i think yeah again it's a good character portrayal oh the confidence level that kid plays is amazing and like and then like when he sees uh queen again and He's like, will you come back around later? Yeah. And wink, she- <laughs> wink. <laughs> oh, just like the desperation in that poor kid. Like, yeah, he plays that really well. Yeah, and actually uh, also want to throw a you know small MVP, a, a, a second place to Natalie Dormer playing Marjorie Tyrell because she does a great bit where she storms in and she's like, you have to let my brother out. And then she he gets this response of, oh, was he kidnapped? And she there's this kind of moment where she goes, he doesn't know you have to play like the the loving wife mm. for this to work. And you kind of see that swi- switch in her. And I really like that. It's such a subtle thing. But you can see you just kind of change gears and go, oh, my dear sweet king. And it's like, yeah. yeah, it's a really good moment. No, uh, I haven't seen this character do this. and um, Yeah, you've mostly seen her either in the sept or being blown up. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, this is the... And I want to blow her up, you know, not in the green sense, but just in the way of her acting ability, because, yeah, yeah, she killed it. Oh, really good little moment. But my MVP, I think, is going to go to Scaleface, a.k.a. Shireen, uh, Stannis Baratheon's daughter, because she's just really good i don't know who this actress is but she does an amazing job mm. you know she's just kind of wandering around castle black like a little bit bored there's nothing to do but there's all this history which she loves and there's this great little bit where stannis tells the story of effectively you know she's like oh, are you ashamed of me and stannis tells the story of her birth and how she got the scale face going on yeah and despite the fact that it's him telling the story she just plays it really really well and it got very natural tears going and then she kind of throws around her, her arms around him and hugs him and he kind of hesitates and then it's just like even though he's told this amazing story about, you know, I've loved you since your birth, there's still that reluctance in him, and it's really, it's very good. It's a good bit. So despite the fact that he does most of the acting in that scene, I think she killed it. But she does a lot of the reacting, and she does that yeah. thing when someone's telling a story, you know, that puts the person in a good light. She's just, like, really proud and, like, really kind of um, uh, swept off her feet a little bit. And Yeah, it. I mean, the story shifts a couple of times. He's talking about uh, these merchants came to where we were living and one of them had a, you know, doll and obviously he was trying to pitch it to the proud new father and she's like, oh, shit. And he's like, but I put that in the crib and you smile and she's like, oh, yeah. He's like, And then you touch it to your face and it's like, oh, no, is that <laughs> yeah. how I got this? 
And there's a nice, yeah, again, it's all in the React. That gets my MVP, I think. Really good bit. And, uh, yeah. And then just, yeah, it makes you sad watching it in this order, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, man. Knowing she just gets incinerated. But, um, you know, sad. mixed blessing. It means I think I'm going to see a little bit more of her, and I look forward to that. Yeah, you know, good character, great actor, good stuff. Uh, which then moves us on to our next question. Nudity! That was a bit. That was a bit. Not not full-on sex position like we'll get eventually. But uh, so the Faith Militant, uh, basically Bernie Sanders gets called in front of Cecil Lannister. <laughs> and she's all like, hey, how'd you like an army, bro? And he's like, sick. Yeah. And uh, so there's the Faith Militant just going about wrecking shit. And then they go into Littlefinger's establishment and continue to wreck shit. But unlike the last brothel we saw that had no nudity, this had nudity. Yeah, um, there were people that were getting in it and very annoyed to be interrupted. I know, well, you can imagine. Yeah. Uh, but it, w- weird thing is, it was very fast to go, well, you know, we'll give you the decree and you can find some people you find worthy to be your faith militant. Okay, cool. Montage! Like, yeah. Oh, wow, shit, okay. No, it's weird, yeah, when these moments where they pull back the pace to have a, ca- a character conversation, for them to speed through, then, yeah, it's a bit of a whiplash. Yeah, for sure. But, uh, yeah, we had some brothel tits, sticks, and beatings. Yep. Yep. It's annoying when they mix the violence and the nudity question. Uh, you're like, hey, I would like to be into this, but I can't curse beatings and some guy getting a star carved into his head. Oh, yeah, them cutting between that. That was brutal. Mm-hmm. Just, yeah, that shot of the, just the teeth gritting down on, yeah. what is it, like a leather strap or something? Yeah, yeah. Ugh. Yeah, nasty. Uh, it does or make me just wonder about, you know, the days where whoever's doing the carving is like, look, I mean, I'm, I'm really proud you've decided to join us. I'm not going to lie. I've done better. Um, it was meant to be a seven-pointed star and I miscounted the blood got in the way and I got to six and I had to really cram the seventh in there really sorry dude forgivesies (laughs) it's like yeah if the end of Inglorious Bastards was Brad Pitt going you know what that's a little bit wobbly there isn't it I've done better I mean this was an important (laughs) one and why did you move so much I told you to hold still you know what you know what a bad artist blames his tools I'm not going to do that. This is on me. Directed by Quentin Tarantino. (laughs) (laughs) Very different ending to that movie. Uh, No, but the other bit of nudity we got was from Millhouse, uh, Cleese Mm. Van Outen, uh, the red woman who just walks up to John all like, oh, you know, he's all, wow, we need men to fight. And she's all like, well, you know, there's only one war that matters, a war between life and death. And let me just show you some life, baby. So, yeah, I didn't actually understand what was going on here. Did she want a Jon Snow baby? It's kind of spoilers to tell you, backshadowing spoilers to explain this. All right, we'll get back uh, to this. She can do some freaky deaky magic when she gets dick. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how it works. I never fully explained, like, many of the magic, but... Um... Can't wait for the new segment on the show coming up, Dick Magic. <laughs> We're going to lie. Fun. <laughs> Good title. Yeah, so she's just kind of seducing John a little bit, and he's all like, ah, oh, I've taken an oath. And she's like, there's boob in your hand really <laughs> and he's all like ah oh, i love another but she's dead and like well she's dead so it's like but i still love her mm. i'm john palm but yeah. you shan't be seeing my bomb <laughs> he didn't really <laughs> care about that uh the commitment when it came to dan brady though oh no it's like what <laughs> forgets all about it yeah, but even then, there's a nice little bit with, um, you know, uh, Millhouse is kind of, Stannis and his wife are having a little chat, and she's all like, I'm so sorry your, you know, daughter, I gave you a daughter who's got a scale face, ah, and then Millhouse kind of rocks up and is like, hi, I'm hotter than you, leave this scene, please. <laughs> and she does. Yeah. i got to say, like, the lighting in this moment was just gorgeous, like, the, mm. the blues and greys that they were playing with, and... 
Yeah, I just, I, I really do love an artfully directed boob. Yep, oh, absolutely. It's got a little bit of fire going around. You're like, that's curvy mm. and nice looking. That's nudity. We have to then move to violence. Faith violence. Militant, clubbing people, and, uh, you know, Sons of the Harpy stabbing people. Yeah, look, uh, coming back to MVP, I liked the sand fighting scene. I did not really like the harpy scene. Uh, it was, yeah, very... I know, it's hard when you've got a bunch of people who are masked up to give them any kind of humanizing aspects. The kind of implication is they're not great warriors, but there's numbers in them. Yeah. So you get that. But it's, yeah, a little bit. Not as much fun as when uh, Bronn and Jamie were taking down the, the uh, Dornish guards. Yeah. Yeah, especially the mask thing. Yeah, it's... They just feel so much more faceless that way. Mm. Whereas if you have one side with the masks, you know, that's kind of like, that's your foot clan. That's your yeah. putty patrol, you that's know. Your, it's your stormtrooper. Your standard way to dehumanize the enemy is give them masks. But yeah, because the other side were dehumanized as well. The unsullied, except for Grey Worm, who conveniently gets his knocked off. But yeah, yeah fair enough. Um, I will say, though, I love, you know, whenever there's like a humanoid sort of face mask that's, you know, creepy in the Sons of the Harpy way, mm. whenever a character does, yeah, just a little head tilt, yeah. makes it look like they're about to unleash some fucking psychotic shit. It's creepy. Yeah, if you can't express yourself through expression, you have to do it with tilts some little weirdness. And I do like their mask. It is weirdly impractical of just how hard it would be to conceal that mask until showtime. Mm. You know, he's going to sneak up on someone and they've, they've somehow distributed it throughout all the city without someone going... Oh, hey, I know those gold masks, and oh, wait a second. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's why ninjas, you know, dress in things that don't catch the like light, like, I don't know, gold. <laughs> <laughs> yep, but hey, they gotta be repping the harpy, I guess. Ah, whatever. Mm. But yeah, I don't know, they're just... I really didn't think the uh, there was much artfulness be behind the fight scene at the end. Like, yeah. And especially, they had an interesting-ish setting, and mm. I don't know, it just, it fell really flat for me. Yeah, I think this kind of rectangular room, and it's an ambush, and it would have been very cool if they'd done, like, a old boy, like, long one-shot or something like that. Yeah. Or, you know, uh, later on there'll be a Daredevil scene that's inspired by the uh, same movie. Mm. Um, that, yeah, I really would have liked to have seen them pull a long-shot choreograph. Maybe not all one-shot, but, you know, cut it down to maybe, I don't know, three, four frames, just so there's a real sense of tension and struggle and yeah yeah like like an actual invasion i think that's what they were going for here mm. but it just sort of seemed more like a fight scene yeah well it got to a point where a bunch of them are surrounding gray worm and you're like well he's fucked this is over now yeah. and to do it if you did it in a like a longer take there'd be that sense of them all kind of tiring out and you know the idea that he's got this spear so he's got the range on them even if they have the numbers and they're yeah. all hesitant to be the first one to try him um, yeah, I mean, again, to call back to Old Boy and Daredevil, the kind of exhaustion setting in is something that's always really interesting to watch because in most kung fu movies, you cut between these kind of action scenes, but the idea that you're slowly wearing someone down, and no matter how skilled they are, they're just going to get tired out and more and more wounded to the point where they can't fight back, that would have been cool. Well, uh, that's sort of what I appreciate about, you know, uh, Old Greybeard as well, like really going down swinging as, mm. like, yeah, he was on a losing battle, but he just happened to get a couple of good licks in. And I don't know, it felt sort of a bit more real than, you know, the Kung Fu movie thing of, yeah, yeah surrounded by enemies and they're only attacking one at a time. Yeah, because they give him a real kind of still moment of the number of harpies he's against versus him. And there's that kind of sense of he knows he's not coming out of this alive. He's, yeah. go he's going in for it anyway, going down swinging, like you said. Yeah. So, yeah. like, again, I appreciated that. It didn't fully land, but yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, the other bit of violence we got were the sand snakes who are, you know, all hanging out and like, hey, how are we going to proceed? Mm. And they have a dude who's buried up to his head and they're like, hey, you, you got scorpions on your face. <laughs> Why you got scorpions on your face? No. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> if I didn't have the context of the situation, we go, oh, that's nice. They buried their dad head deep in the snow. Why is there scorpions there? <laughs> yeah, because that's how they have fun in Dawn, apparently. According to Braun, it's all, Dawn's all good for a fight and a fuck. <laughs> and fighting gets you good for fucking and fucking gets you good for fighting. But I feel like we're doing a, bit, a lot of fighting and a lot of fucking. Nah, I'm Braun. I really hope Braun, Braun writes a song about that. <laughs> <laughs> we know he's got a delightful voice. So. Damn straight. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they're all just debating. And I like how, you know, woman I can't remember the name of, but Dornish woman is all like, ah, so we're going to try and kill Marcella. Uh, who's with me? And the first daughter's like, yeah. And the second daughter's like, yeah. And the third was like, when I was a young girl, uh, it's like, oh, you're the one that likes to monologue, aren't you? There's one in every family. It felt like there was a few of these moments in this episode. It's like, let me answer that question with a story. Fuck. <laughs> yes. Let me just walk around while I monologue a little bit and yeah. then throw a spear through a dude's head. Yeah, no, scorpions I, on his face. I loved the suddenness of that, especially because, yeah, you got the idea that he'd been prolonged and tortured and all that sort of stuff just to fucking... Yeah. I was like, you don't even need to torture someone if you bury them up to there and put scorpions on their face. <laughs> That'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. It basically starts torturing itself. Yeah. Although, <laughs> to be fair, I th the implication was that he sold them the information and then they put scorpions on his face anyway. I mean, these people suck. Mm. Just going to say it. And we find out they're not terribly great at fighting like they think they are. No. So uh, they can shank a dude in the back of the head and they can throw a spear through a face, but uh, they get owned by the Greyjoys pretty heavily. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, the Faith Militant are also dicks, but, you know, whatever. Oh, yeah. This is... I feel like this is the first time I've actually seen them, like, do this. Like... Yeah, but for the rest of the time they just kind of stand around being menacing. Yeah, like they approached the mountain at one point, though, didn't they? And one that of them did got... not go well. Yeah, so this is like the only time that I've sort of seen them as a threat, and like I really enjoyed the intimidations of these scenes as well, mm. because yeah, carving one of their own and then taking out the violence on yeah, it was fucking heavy shit. It was, and they're all just smashing up markets and things, and the I like the merchant turning to the guards and he's like, "Help!" and they're like, mm, nah. "Bye." <laughs> Yeah, because this is a faith thing, and they're allowed to do it. And yeah, it's uh yeah, and that build up helps really drive the tension of when yeah, the kid king is uh, in that standoff. Yeah, mm, absolutely. I do have a couple of nicknames for a Tyrion because <laughs> when we start off, he's uh, tied up and he's struggling. So I wrote down Barney struggle. Oh yeah, and then later on, he's gagged and he's and so I called him Barney mumble. Oh, and I do like the opening uh, when he takes the gag off. He goes. Who are you? Yeah. <laughs> no, just straight out the gate. You got any other notes? Um, I'm running out. Like, it's actually weird. This conversation, I feel like I've actually been a lot... I've been bigging up this episode a lot more than I was actually enjoying it at the time, but... Yeah. yeah. There's a bit where Tyrion... Uh, not Tyrion. Jim Jam Lannister is all like, Ah, oh, if I ever see my brother again, I'll split in two. No, you don't. No. We know, we know that. <laughs> I've seen it happen. No, you don't. Yep. Spoilers. Yeah, I got a note that just little finger, little fingers up on the scene. Yep. Little, ah, little finger and sons have a long scene, and it's all just eh, not really for it. I mean, it is, but it also none of this stuff comes to a head. But that's also supposed to happen. Yeah, this is meant to be how he gets Sansa to stay there, even though she's betrothed to Ramsay, who's a dick, but who didn't show up in this episode. Oh yeah. Uh, they do go on about Lyanna Stark a little bit. Um. Mm. I mean, the whole story of her is, you know, ends up being John's mother, that whole thing. Yeah. Um, oh, yep. speaking of that backstory, they mentioned that uh, Rhaegar 
Yep. Was that his name? He he originally wanted to be a song and dance man. Yeah, goes down amongst the people and just busks for a little bit. <laughs> That's cute. I know, it's adorable. <laughs> Good for you. I mean, there's always stories of royals going down amongst the people, yada, yada. We'll yeah. Think. But, I mean, it never ends with them singing a rousing song and getting a bunch of money and sometimes giving it away and sometimes getting their friends pissed. Yeah. Sounds like a good dude. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, uh, other than Breakfast Snake, yeah, that's my that's my yeah. notes. I mean, I've got Bron and Jim Jam. Uh, just uh, <laughs> I do like their um, Bron stabs the snake going for Jim Jam's face in his sleep, and he's all like, oh, that'd be a shit way to die, and Jim Jam's like, they're all shit ways to die. Yeah. So, yeah, no, fair. There's I want a boring way to die. I've had an exciting life. Uh, yeah, I enjoyed that. All right, like I said, their back and forth is a lot of fun. Jim Jam ends by saying, uh, I want to die in the arms of the woman I love. And that happens because when he gets crushed in by the rubble by uh, in the arms of Cersei. So ah. there you go. That was a prediction made, what was it, three seasons pre- previous. Yeah. Um, yeah, let me just have a look here. Littlefinger, Littlefingers. Seesaw sends Baron von Munchausen um, and Sir Stabdai to go to Bravos. Yeah, just more boring scenes. Yeah, no. I now, mean, yeah, now I'm starting to remember all the fucking shit that uh, I was like, yeah, this wasn't so good. <laughs> uh, Melhouse, while leaving, says, uh, you know nothing, Jon Snow, which is a bit of a meme. And that will come up again later when we find out about that woman Jon Snow was into. Ooh. Yes, backshadowing. Jon um, Snow had a girlfriend. I nip, called nip, him nip. Snow. <laughs> what a, I call him John Bomb John Bomb Chauvy. I mean, <laughs> what a names. Anyway, as long as you know what we're talking about. Um, yeah, that is all my notes. So we must ask ourselves our final question: How did we get here? Oh well, um, a little birdie told me that the next episode is called High Sparrow. So we're just gonna say this: uh, Bird, fucking score some dank ass chronic <laughs> bud from I don't know, probably Braun Braun. Yeah. He looks like he'd be have a weed connection, but not do it himself. Yeah, anyway. No, that guy. I mean, we all know one of those guys. So, yeah, we're going to see a bird roll up a big fatty Bill Murray. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, the high sparrow, he's that fucking... Bernie Sanders. Yeah. It's got to be about him. Yep. Just stand around in his rags being, I don't have an army yet, and I'm kind <laughs> of just a dude. Maybe it's a, yeah, a one episode sitcom where it's <laughs> wine is shit. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I'd watch it. Again, they're looking for spinoff series... Why not, you know, getting high with a sparrow? Actually, I saw in BWS they've got a bunch of those um, oh, really? the, uh, Game of Thrones whiskeys, yeah. Awesome. I don't want to order, order them online because that sounds annoying. Mm. So, uh, yeah. No, like, I think I saw, because they were going to do like six or seven, on, weren't they? Eight. Eight. Yeah, because I saw a bunch of them. I didn't like stand long enough to see them. but Yeah, as yeah. so long as they're out there somewhere in the world and we can acquire them and drink them live on air. Mm. Live-ish. Yeah. <laughs> All right, till that exciting time, we, you can listen to us drink whiskey. I've been BT Calloway, and that's been Elliot J. O'Neill. Goodbye. And for now, our watch has ended. Goodbye.